compares you guys to sheep all the time. And not just sheep, right? I played that video last week. It's so cute. Children, we have history makers waiting at the back door, ages 4 to 11. You guys are dismissed if you want to go. And uh, yeah, uh, I don't know, Aaron, you might be a little old for history makers, but you go ahead. You do you, big guy. So uh, I'm kidding. He's not going. He's not going. Uh, I just want to remind you guys of that. If you ever get under any illusions that you're more than you think you are, listen, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, those little lambs, they're the most vulnerable things in nature. They have no defense mechanism and they won't stay where they're supposed to stay. They jump and they run and they go places and they don't even think ahead like, well, you know, I could run right off a cliff and break my leg and the wolves could eat me and a bobcat could get me and even an eagle could grab me. That those lambs, they don't, they don't think about anything, do they? They're sort of reminding me of you when you were a teenager. I know some of you. <laughs> you were as dumb as a rock. <laughs> we were, weren't we? You know, it's amazing. That's when most of us get in trouble. It's when most of us get, go running down a wrong path. And so uh, last week I started talking about, and it seems sort of simple and sort of foolish, but you know, the world thought Jesus was simple, and they thought he was foolish. They thought he was a liar. They thought he was a deceiver. And you know, the truth is, let's fix our eyes on him. Yeah, but he wasn't a great philosopher he told these little simple stories that a, a, a five-year-old couldn't understand. Oh, really? Hmm. Y'all know the story. But the truth is, he's, our, he's everything to us. He's the pioneer. He's the, he's the one who showed us how to live as a, abiding in the vine. You see, don't let the enemy convince you to, you know, and, and I think it's fine. The what would Jesus do bracelets, remember that? Well, you know, that's fine if you understand. You know what Jesus did? He told us what he did. He depended totally upon his father. He listened to the shepherd. The shepherd said, go to this field. Jesus was like, you know, those, those older sheep, they know their shepherd's voice. The Bible says that. Jesus tells a parable about it. He said, listen, it does, anybody can come and say, come follow me. And those older sheep will not follow a shepherd that they don't recognize his voice. But when their shepherd speaks, the one who feeds them, the one who protects them, the older sheep will follow him anywhere. The younger, those lambs, you know what they do? They just run around like the crazy people, sort of like us. They just come and go wherever they want to. They don't think about the cliffs or the poisonous grasses or the briars. They don't think about the wolves. They don't think about the predators that are filling the wilderness they just run around. And you know what the shepherd does? He takes care of them. So today, I just want us to get to that place. Don't forget, Jesus was the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He, he showed us how to live. And we turned that into a bunch of rules and regulations. And he said it was a relationship. He lived in constant communion with his dad. He stayed listening to the shepherd. I go where I see my father going. I say what I hear him saying. And guys, our goal in life is to develop a relationship with, this, with our shepherd. He's where everything comes from. 
Everything is from him. And so I just want us to remember that. And so I know we're going to look at Luke 15, maybe another week or two. I don't know. And you may, uh, listen, uh, you can spend the next 10 years of your life studying a parable, a very simple parable Jesus told, and there'll be depth and life in that unending. So I just want you to really think about that. We are like sheep. We're like lambs. Don't, don't get the big head and think you're some mature sheep that never goes away. No, we're, we're all still lambs. Jesus, that's why Jesus told this parable. He, he had a purpose in this parable. And I want us to get this, okay? So here's the parable. And I'm just going to talk about one part of it today that I think is real important. And I'll read it again. You guys read it last week. We're still on it. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Y'all know who those people were, right? They were the people that the Jewish Pharisees, we're fixing to read about in verse 2. The Pharisees looked at those people and said, thank God I'm not like them. Thank God I'm not like those guys. I'm better than them. You know, the Pharisees lived in this world of comparison. Comparing themselves with other people who weren't. They didn't even compare themselves with Jewish people. The Pharisees were a sect who said, we are the real followers of God. And they looked around themselves and they said, look how we dress. Look how we talk. Look what we do. And they compared themselves constantly with anybody else. And you know where that finds us, though. You know where it finds us, really. We sang this song and uh, Jennifer opened up something during worship. And uh, I think it was that, that it is true. You know that Jesus welcomes lepers? In our society, we really don't know what lepers are. Lepers are the people you don't want to be seen hanging around with. Lepers are the people you don't want to be. You know those people. Well, I'm, I may be this, but I'm not that. Well, I may, be, I may be this, but I'm not a high and mighty all religious. You see, that lepers are those things inside of us where we believe that there's... Maybe we're not. Maybe we don't deserve. Maybe we're not good enough. You see, we, I think we all have areas in our lives where we're, we are lepers. Where we think people look at us and they judge who we are. Now, and so he, he says this. I'll finish reading this parable. The Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, This man, y'all know who they were talking about? The Messiah, the Jesus Christ that the world... Around the world is worshipped by billions of people. They said, this man, he welcomes sinners and eats with them. And we don't want to be a sinner. We don't want to be one of those people. And then Jesus had something to tell those guys. I want you to get that in this little parable. Jesus was speaking to them. He was speaking to the Pharisees and teachers of the law who were muttering and complaining about and, and judging themselves as better than other people for whatever reason. And Jesus was, had a story for them. He said, guys, listen. In our English, he'd say, listen, I've got something to share with you. Maybe you aren't the cat's meow like you think you are. Maybe you're not. You don't know everything, you know. And then Jesus told them this little parable. It's so simple. We don't even want to study it, right? 
We're like, oh, Alan's going to talk about that again. Yeah, I'm talking about it again. Because there's something, a key in this parable that he tells, and this one and the next two after it, where it's the secret to having joy, having laughter inside. You know that thing inside of you where you just got, can't help but be happy? It's like when I went to see uh, uh, Shelby and Tyler had their baby this week. They're 15-pound, 8-ounce. <laughs> He wasn't that big, but he looks that big. His hands are that big. And, uh, and it's like, they, should, they were like up every hour, I think Shelby said, the first night home with the baby. And uh, everybody in the room was still happy. I'm like, there is something that's making Dana happy because it's sure not her beauty sleep because she didn't get any. I mean, not by the way you looked. I mean, by the... Um, don't you want that laughter that's inside of you that you can't contain? Like, that's what God has for you and me. The fruit of the Spirit, what is it? Love, joy, joy. Well, that's a fruit. What's that mean? It's a fruit just like if you drink too much wine, you'll be happy or you'll be sad. It depends on what kind of drunk you are. But it's like it comes because of this chemical thing inside of you. Do you know there's a supernatural chemical thing that you can have? And he tells it in this parable and in the next two. All three parables right here. He's talking to the most sour-faced, unhappy, judgmental, depressed, angry people in the whole world. And they were oppressed. Man, the world mistreated the Jewish nation horribly. The Romans were, they were occupied. They were murdering them. They were tortured. They were, they, it was horrible. They had reason to be unhappy. And then this guy shows up and tells them, there's a way you can be happy. Let me tell you a story. The key to happiness is in this parable. Little parable. He said this, to an agrarian society, a place that raised animals, that raised sheep, right? He said, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one. Important word, loses one. Do you know that that, that, that doesn't mean somebody stole it? You know, you could lose something because somebody took it from you, and you could lose something because it got up and ran off. There's, these sheep got up and they left. This sheep, this lamb, was doing that thing we watched on the video and ended up somewhere it wasn't supposed to be, and the shepherd can't find it. He can't see it. So he says, a shepherd, don't you leave the 99 in the open country and go after that sheep that wandered away? And... Uh, this is key. He goes after the lost sheep until he finds it. You know, I think probably half of us in this room are part of that until he finds it group. You know, some people don't ever really wander away very far from the Lord. And so he doesn't have to go out into the woods looking for him. But some of us wander a long way. And we get ourselves in a big mess. And we get buried under a big briar patch. And we go, you got to go over a cliff. And you gotta, there's a pack of wolves surrounding me about to eat me. And, it's, and I'm at my last breath. And then this amazing shepherd finds me. And Jesus said right here, he said, Jesus said, red letters, right? Until he finds it. Are you so far away from the Lord right now that you think you can't ever get your way back? It's not about you getting your way back. It's about Him finding you. 
And he said, the God of everything said, I'm going to keep on until I find you. Maybe you're worried about somebody you love. And seriously, for good reason. Maybe your heart's broken. Don't give up. Because one greater than you said he's going to keep on. Me and you get tired. We give up. We get hurt. Well, you may even, I may even go to heaven, you know. But Jesus is always, always, always looking for the lost sheep. And he's not just looking. Aren't you glad it doesn't say he never quits looking? He said until he finds it. I was talking to uh, oh Nick this morning. The closest I've ever done this personally is uh, I've wounded deer before. And I hate to wound deer and not find them. I've spent hours looking for deers that Tim wounded. And uh, <laughs> you can take it off of me a little bit. I've spent hours looking for deer I wounded. And I'm crawling through briars on your hands and knees in the, in the worst places in the swamps in Arkansas. And desperate to find this deer. And there's, I'm thinking of one specific that I never found it. And that's so sad. I looked hard. Jesus doesn't ever say that. He's never experienced not finding it like I've experienced and some of you have experienced. He never, ever. He said he keeps on until he finds it. So that's our Jesus. And when he finds it, when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and he throws a big party. He says, come rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. And that's what we talked about last week. It's unbelievable what happens whenever you're a part of this. And so uh, I wanted, I tell you, and we're going to get on the rest of this later. I tell you that in the same way, there would be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. We'll talk about that some more. But uh, rejoice with me. And I talked about that. Showed you this slide last week. It's an extravagant, overflowing, ridiculous joy that comes out of him. It's like we see on the movies when you see Jewish people dancing in those circles. And just, I mean, they're throwing down, partying. Extreme joy. It just can't. I don't know. It's when your feet do the happy dance and you just can't stop it like that penguin, you know. It's unbelievable. Now, God has that for everybody. And here's the definition out of the, the Greek dictionaries and the Hebrew dictionary. Exuberant joy. This joy he's talking about is too much to bear alone. It's like Jesus said, listen, I get so happy. The shepherd gets so happy I can't contain my happiness, so it's got, somebody's got to get up some of this stuff for me. And if you get close to him, guess what? He's going to get all over you too. Haven't you ever been there where people start laughing? And you just, why are you smiling? I don't know. It's just like, yeah, it's like, it's a thousand times more than that. And it's, it's how you have it. You've got, this is a joy that supernaturally God gets that he has to share it with us. And if you're around, you're going to be happy too. It's like the best thing on earth. And I asked Corey, uh, y'all know Corey. Corey, come on up. Um, 
Here's a verse you can look at, John 15, 15, while Corey's coming. Uh, Jesus said this, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. In that parable, what did Jesus say? I bring, I call my friends, right, and my neighbors together to have joy with me. You know who you are? You're one of his friends. You're one of his friends. And so the same joy God feels when one of us comes back to him, when one of us takes another step in our life with him, that joy overcomes everything. So, uh, Corey, you want to come on up here? Uh, Corey leads our ushers here at Grace, so you guys run into ushers all the time. Corey's been leading ushers for since he was 12 or something. I don't remember. It's been a while. So, Corey, I wanted him to share what he gets to experience with those guys. Yeah, so... I've been, I've been, I don't know how long I've been here, it's uh, over 20 years, um, which doesn't even seem possible, but um, we've, I've been doing it long enough where I've kind of figured out what not to do, and so as, an, as the ushers, our job is to serve and to, um, you know, take care of, you know, the building on Sunday morning and get things ready and to serve the pastors and to serve you guys, and so we used to just like have the standard, and if we just like, we used to say stuff like, if you raise the standard, people will raise to it, and we just raise it and raise it and raise it and look around, and I'm like, I'm the only usher, like, what's going on? <laughs> I can't even meet the standard, so found out that wasn't really the way to do it, um, yeah. and, and I don't know for how long, but we've, we've just been on this journey of, of like making it about community and family and, you know, the whole, just that, that togetherness, and you know, even with the verse that Alan's talking about, the 99 for the one, I think the one, it, it shows the value of the individual and the value that he places on the individual. And so the testimony in my life of what that community, the ushers, and, and, and grace as a whole has been for me is just unbelievable because I don't, I don't even want to think about where I would be without the community, without grace, without grace that's not here, with grace that is here, with the people that are here, and the touches that you guys have had in my life. You know, when it got hard, sometimes I got to experience the, 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 the overflowing joy and, 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 and the saving grace of God in my life by being the guy that goes finds, finds the one. And then there were so many times where I was the one, and then somebody, one of you, came and found me. And I can't describe to you how thankful I am for you guys. Because, and, and, it, and it's people that aren't here, and it's, and it's everybody that is here. Because if it wasn't for you guys, I don't know where I'd be. Yeah. I don't know how I would have made it through everything that I've experienced in 18 years of marriage. And I love my marriage. I love my wife. And I, there's a lot that happened, but it's, it's all good. But now, today, part of that joy that overflows in my life is I have this perfect, amazing son that I don't know how I yeah. even deserve. Yeah, you don't, no. But if it wasn't for every person that came and found me every time, and, and, and not just Jesus, but Jesus in each and every one of you, yeah, and everything changed when the man that had all the power gave it to all of us. And so that overflowing joy, the reason it happens is because 
when you find the one, when that person, whatever side of the story you're on, when that happens and the, and the Jesus and that person overflows, it's unlike any, you do get addicted to it. And that's why I'm yeah. still here. So it, I don't know if it's really a testimony as much as it is a thank you. Mm. <laughs> thank you, Grace. Even in the midst of all the mistakes and all the mess ups and, and the stuff that just happens in messy life. Man, you guys have forever changed. Yeah. And I don't know how to like convey to you guys. <laughs> I, had, I had Bays pray for me because I didn't want to do this. <laughs> yeah. You guys matter. It, the, the, the greatest lie that you could ever believe is that your part doesn't matter. Mm. It matters to somebody. And it sure as hell mattered to me. So thank you guys. Come on. Uh, thank you, Corey. How does he able to keep on all this time? 18 years. I didn't know it had been that long. He really was 12 when he started. <laughs> I was kidding. Uh, because he's experiencing what Jesus is talking about in this parable. You see, because one thing I've seen happen with Corey and the Usher team is they become a family. They serve us. They do things. We couldn't do this without all of them, and men and women both, and for years. And how are they able to keep serving us? You know what I've seen happen and what I've heard testimonies and Tori, Corey and those, all of them have told me stories about you know what uh, Steve, not you Steve but I'm making up a Steve name, Steve came and joined the ushers and he had never walked with God before he'd never, he'd never had an experience he'd never been in union and harmony with Jesus at all and, the, and this is what happened in Steve's life and he goes and a few months pass and then Steve comes into their meeting one day and says listen I was able to tell that, that Goliath, you know, that monster in my life, I was able to tell it no for the first time today. And then you go on later, and I hear them tell stories about, yeah, you know what? He actually led our usher meeting this morning. Then I hear other stories, you know what? They, God put, saved a marriage. And those kind of things rejoice those we're lost it's like Corey said I'm sometimes the lost lamb sometimes I'm a part of finding the lamb and it's like it's all the same you know what the, you know what happens when you realize like you know who Jesus is talking to here all of us we like to put the Pharisees down and the, you know the religious leaders that were all grumbling about Jesus and Jesus was talking to these lost when we see those lost lambs we're all the lost lambs. Not a one of us can earn it on our own. Not a one of us can find our way back by ourselves. It's all Jesus for both people. So you have two groups of people that both need to hear this story. And we're both. Sometimes I'm a Pharisee. Sometimes I'm a lost sheep. And both are lost. Both are lost. And Jesus said, well, don't worry, guys. I got this. The only problem we have is when we think we got it. And we start thinking, uh, 
thinking too much of ourselves, getting too big for our britches, you know what I mean? And I don't mean gaining weight. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? We get too big for our britches, and we start comparing ourselves with the special people. That's one side of this ditch. That's one way to be lost. We start comparing ourselves with the talented people or the educated people or the privileged silver spoon people. We start comparing ourselves with them or we start comparing ourselves with the down and outers or the new new sheep, the young lambs. And we start thinking we're somebody and all of a sudden the little lambs, they run around, they don't, they're just dumb they're dumb as a rock. They don't know they need to follow the shepherd. Then we get to a place where we think we don't need the shepherd either. And it's all us. And it's our effort. And it's our intelligence. And it's our wisdom. And our experience. And, and you know, look at me. I'm successful. And look, I don't want to be like him. You know what? There you are lost again. Because there's only one way. And it's all the same way. And it just, there's two ways to... to Actually, I guess when I think about it, like here's a story about King David. Y'all know King David, right? The man after God's own heart, the greatest king Israel ever had, I think. And this is uh, King David. Israel had lost the Ark of the Covenant, which we really have to have a hard time. The Ark of the Covenant was God's presence to them. And they had lost it. It had been taken, then a family took it. You can go to 2 Samuel and read the whole story. But they had lost it. And then David tried to get it back. Something happened. And then David went back and he got it. And this is a story in 2 Samuel. They were, the most precious thing to Israel was coming home. Sounds a lot like Jesus' story about the shepherd who lost one of his lambs. Now King David was told, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because the Ark of God, the Ark of the Covenant. So David went to bring up the Ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. Same word. Something he lost was found. And what happens? You throw a party in your heart. You throw a party. And so David is coming back. Listen to what David did. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Now that's extreme happiness. Six steps. He didn't even make it across the stage. And he'd kill a, he'd kill a bull and a fattened calf. He was wearing a linen ephod, some fancy underwear. And David, really, it's true. David was, it wasn't fancy, it was true. David was dancing before the Lord with all of his might the whole way. It was way better, bigger than Super Bowl time or World Cup time. And while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets. And then you all know what happened if you read the story. His wife looked on him with disgust. Why is he so happy? She didn't experience what David and all the people were experiencing. That's the kind of joy that is available to us. It's like overflows. And he was rejoicing because something lost was found. You see, in all of heaven, in all of creation, and everyone who's a member of the family of God, <laughs> really, we can experience joy that the world will never know. 
every time someone takes a step back home, every time someone it begins to be transformed and renewed in their minds. And, uh, you know, I love this. Now, here's, this is what I think one thing we need to understand. What does lost mean? I think we have a limited definition of lost that you don't find it here. It's, a, it's lost is a, lost is is way more than any of us could ever understand. It, we, we try to narrow loss down to this thing about when we die and in the future we go to heaven or hell. That isn't what this word, that's not all, that's, that's a very limited definition of lost. I looked up, this is the theological, Kittle's Theological Dictionary of the, of the New Testament, which is like 12-volume dictionary, the most whatever, uh, fanciest, most intellectual dictionary you can find for the Greek language. So lost, it's apollomy. The literal definition of lost, that word means to destroy, to kill in battle or prison, to suffer loss, to lose, to perish, to be lost. That's the literal definition. And then he goes on, he says, this is the figurative definition you find in the New Testament. Read what he says in Luke 15, Mark 8. The soul is an object of value which is not just lost, but which we actively lose in trying to save or secure our lives. You know when we get lost? When we try to save ourselves. You know when we get lost? When we judge ourselves. That's when we get lost. You know when the, why those Pharisees were lost? is because they were comparing themselves to the lesser people. You know those people. Thank God I'm not a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. That's, that's one of their prayers. It's like they're lost. You see, you become lost the second you try to start saving yourself. The truth is you'll never, you and I never get past being a little lamb. That my only hope is Him. My only hope is Him. And you can never get so far lost that He can't find you. I don't care. You know? Don't, don't go get in the big head thinking that you can outrun the fastest runner on earth. Because you can't. Now, I don't mean to be rude. I'm just making fun of us. We think... We're smarter and more determined and have more experience and time and, and ability to run from Jesus and we think he has the ability to run after us. Yeah, but we have a, a part to play. You do. I do. You know what the part is? Quit running. Well, don't I have to? Don't I have to? Don't I have to? Don't I have to? Don't I? Don't I? Don't I? Stop running. Just stop running. Please, God, let them stop. Break their legs so they'll stop running. Some of us, you ever experienced a broken leg so God could catch you? Don't, don't, don't act like you haven't. I'm not the only one that's ran into walls. And then you run into that wall, and about the, for me personally, I may run into it three or four hundred times before I wake up and go, I think I'll stop running into that wall. <laughs> I'm not the smartest crackerjack in the box, you know. But, you know, the truth is, you know how God sees you? 
I don't know who did this, but it was really cool. You know what that is? It's a diamond. No. It is a jewel. I don't know. It's, it's, who put that up there? I don't know. But do you know what? When I saw that, what the truth is, and I think prophetically, God will point it out this morning. Because some, some of us need to run into a wall before we're going to listen and quit running. Quit trying to be good enough. Quit trying to change before you come to the one who can change you. Isn't that what we do? Quit condemning yourself and judging yourself and comparing yourself to the superstars or the gutters. You don't, we're all the same. The best person in the world has one thing to do in life, and that's to let Jesus catch them. The worst person in the world has one thing to do in life, let Jesus catch them. Well, don't they need to repent and grovel and beg? No, we're going to talk about that word next week. The worst translated word in the New Testament, maybe the second worst, is repent is not what that means. Penance is not what God wants from us. Jesus did it all. Jesus paid the price. Jesus opened the door. He ripped the veil. He, he let the spear be thrust in his side so we could come in and he could come out. All of life is a one thing. You know how you get lost? It's what he says. <laughs> the soul of an object is an object of value. Every place in me and you where we don't see ourselves as valuable, we are disconnected from him and we're running. It's called judging yourself. A value which is not just lost, but which we actively lose in trying to save or secure our lives. Are you ready to quit trying and stop running and admit, admit it, Jesus, I need you. Like this morning, I mean, I'm there. Are you all there? I'm there. God, you can't get this message that Jesus is telling us in Luke 15. You cannot get this parable without a supernatural encounter with God. So what in the world am I standing up here trying to convince you of? You know what? Nothing. Because I already decided, Jesus, it's you or nothing. If you're going to have a revelation of the truth that you can never earn your way to Jesus... You can never repent your, you know, grovel and beg your way to God. You can never pay any penalty that will make you more valuable or less valuable to Him. He has one purpose. And He told us over and over and over again, He wants to be one with you, heart to heart. He wants to embrace you. He wants to love you. He wants to tell you who you are. And... Most of us ran from Jesus, really, I think, when we were young. We weren't even, this, we really were as dumb as a rock. We thought, that we thought this would make us happy, and this would make us happy, and that would make us happy. We have all these grandeur ideas that this will make us happy. And the truth is, only he makes me happy. And you know what the truth is? 60 years later, only he makes me happy. There's no difference between me now and me 42 years ago when I started serving the Lord. I'm, I'm just as needy today as I was then. You know what that means? We're all equal. Everyone. We all need him. And he said he's going to find us. So I think that it's like, I love, I really do love this deal. Um, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep, this is Matthew's version of that. 
and one of them wanders away. Do you know what being lost means? It means you went on, you, you wandered off. You tried to do it yourself. See, we think we have this definition of loss that's just so limiting, I think. Will he not leave the 91 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? They didn't sin. They were just lambs jumping around, not paying attention to the shepherd yet. And they got themselves in a world of trouble. And you know he loves you so much, he's coming after you. He's coming after you. And he doesn't want anything but your heart. He wants to be one. Isaiah says it this way. You know what sin is? Going your own way. And we try to limit sin to this little action or thing we do or don't do. It is such a bigger reality than that. That's why in Isaiah he says, we all like sheep. Isn't it funny? We're all like sheep. We've gone astray. Jesus said, wandered away in Matthew 18. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the wandering away of us all. The iniquity of us all. You see, you know what that means? Jesus entered into our world. When I went looking for that deer I wounded, I got cut to pieces. Crawling through briars. It's, I'm just thankful I didn't get bit by cottonmouths and all this other stuff that could have happened. But I, I paid a price. I went to where that deer went. You know what Jesus did? He came to where we live. He's been in every mess you've ever been in. Whether you have quit running or not, he's been everywhere you've ever been. And you know what? He's still following you. <laughs> and yeah, did he get beat up? Yeah. Did he experience pain? Unbelievably. Is he still? Yes. Because he's still going after his lost sheep. Does he think you're worthless? He knows the truth. You're precious. Are you willing to let go of those judgments that you have against yourself and to agree with him that you're precious? You're valuable. You're worth it. He sees unbelievable value in you. You know, uh, this morning, I believe that we're going we, we're gonna to do this. So, so I'm, I wanted to stop. Uh, this is little David. You know King David, right? He wrote this psalm. Do you remember what that godly man did? He uh, murdered one of his most faithful, loyal, mighty men of God, soldiers. Mur had him murdered, took his wife, got her pregnant before he had him murdered he got her pregnant and then he had him murdered so he could marry her and uh david lost they, she lost the baby and it was it's bad and then king david wrote this psalm see king david uh strayed off didn't he way beyond he went over he went over the line and i believe that some of us believe we've gone over the line i've done too much I've gone too far I've said no too many times David was there even with in our world we'd be like David I'm done with you I'll never ever what did David do David said may your hand be ready to help me God for I've chosen your precepts I long for your salvation Lord and your law gives me delight 
Let me live that I may praise you and may your laws sustain me. And what did David say? Oh, I'm a lousy, no good, worthless, bum, scum of the earth, dog who deserves nothing. Is that what David said? No. He said, God, I've strayed like a lost sheep. You know what happens when you stray away from God? You get, you become a slave to whatever darkness you run into. And it, it will kill you. And it'll kill other people. And David said, I've strayed, God. Seek your servant. And then Jesus came up in that little parable that we think is stupid. Jesus came up and said, I will seek you until I find you, David. And you know what? God found David even after he had done that. God's here for you. So I believe some of us have a feeling that we're lepers. We should be shunned. We should be judged. We should be, we should be punished. I believe the Lord has something different for you. Like during our ministry time this morning, we have prophetic teams up here that would want to pray with you. And they will speak the words of life. They will speak God's word to you. And you'll hear the truth directly from his voice. You're not who you think you are. Jesus thinks you're a jewel. And he thinks that you're worth everything. And when you come home, we'll throw a party. <laughs> I weigh like, you know what my favorite thing of being a pastor is for 42 years? Every time I see someone coming home, taking, and I don't mean just giving life to Jesus for the first time. Every time I see someone finding life, having that thing with that encounter with Jesus where they get set free, do you know that outweighs all the pain of being a pastor? That's a thousand times more than I could ever dream. Jesus wants you to begin to experience that. Some of us need to say, God, I've been putting, my values aren't like yours. <laughs> my values are this and that, this and that. And all he values is people. People. All people. Religious people and in the gutter, broken, hurting people. He values all people. And when one comes home to him, you get to experience that, you'll never want to go back. Ever. So, uh, little lambs, it's time for us to admit that we're all that. We're all lambs. We run around like chickens with our heads cut off. And Jesus saves us all over and over and over again. Jesus wants to save you today. And I don't mean keep you from going to hell in the future. I mean save you right now. Wherever that thing is in your heart, he wants to come. He wants to touch you this morning. So if you don't mind, um, and whoever lost this 20-carat diamond, it's a blue diamond, so it's not really... It, uh, you can have it back. I don't know why it's there. Uh, but I, I'm glad it was there. I saw it the whole during worship. I was like, God, you really do think we're precious stones, don't you? <laughs> and you put, you put an imitation one on the stage. So that's all. If you don't mind, let's stand up. Uh, Jennifer, you're going to play for us. And I have, uh, we have some people, some teams of people that would love to pray with you this morning. And God wants to take away... You know, it's almost like uh, we get labels. We, we should wear them on our foreheads. I'm going to bring some athletic tape. You know that kind we used to have in football? They'd take white tape and they'd put it on your helmet and write your name on it because nobody knew who you were. 
I, uh, some of us, I thought my name was stupid, but I looked at my helmet, it really wasn't it. That's just what they called me. No, you're not. You've got a label that hurts when you think about it, when you hear it, when you face it. And God wants to change your label this morning. He wants you to be set free to see yourself the way He sees you. And to see Him the way He is. He loves you. He's looking for you and me all the time. So we're going to pray. And if you have, if you've come to that place and you need something from the Lord this morning, that's why these guys are here and uh, there'll be more people that can pray if you need more, if we need more. So I invite you to come up, have a meeting with God, uh, take communion, let the Holy Spirit speak to you directly. Uh, don't leave here today. Like Pastor Tim said, don't leave without Jesus. He wants to speak to you. So God, I just ask you to give us courage today to step out. And Lord, I, I am so thankful you don't quit going after us until you find us. And I just thank you, Lord. So God, I ask for a miracle to happen right now. That every one of us, everyone in this room, everyone listening or hearing it online, God, every one of us would have a revelation of where we're, we don't see ourselves the way you see us. God, that every one of us would see where we're trying to make something happen instead of and we're just running and running and running. And God, you want us to stop and let you come. You just want us to be. So Jesus, we just lift you up as greater than any problem we face, greater than any Goliath, any battle, any river. There's no mountains that we're facing that you're not greater than. So God, I just thank you. Thank you for this parable and what you're saying to us. So guys, thank you so much for being here. If you're visiting today, I, I don't know if I got to meet everybody. I don't think I did. Uh, thank you for being here. You make it worthwhile. Every step someone takes toward Jesus sets us on fire, right? So God bless you guys. Y'all have a great afternoon. Uh, we would love to pray for you. We're dismissed.